Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Corner Talks podcast. I have a good friend here, talented filmmaker, director, producer, Tristan Chandra. How are you, buddy? Howdy, partner. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, it's been, uh, we've been connected through Instagram for a while. And this is the first time we're kind of like, you know, screen to screen, I guess, face to face, virtually, yeah. uh, is, you know, yeah. talking. Yeah, it's been a very 21st century friendship, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, it has. Uh, to give you guys some uh, context, uh, some background, um, Tristan and I uh, have been friends for a while, uh, probably around the time just before the pandemic started, yeah. uh, 2020, around that time. And I remember, you know, I was just posting some content and I get a DM from him saying, you know, do you want to be part of this kind of like Instagram film enthusiasts group, uh, you know, where everyone just kind of supports each other's content and you know, helps promote their brands. And I said, yeah, why not? You know, it'd be a great community to be part of. And uh, nevertheless, it became known as IG, IG soldiers. Yes, yes, sir. Right? Yeah. And um, yeah, I wanted to ask you, like, just to get right into it. Yeah. Uh, what was the inspiration behind creating this uh, group? You know, I think, um, I, I think that just finding a, a community of people that have similar interests in you is just kind of like an important thing just to have is wh whatever it may be, whether you're a filmmaker, a painter, a athlete, whatever, you know, I think you got to kind of have a good, you know, kind of foundation and good base and people to kind of motivate you. And um, I think it's hard to really move forward in any kind of way if you don't have someone else who's like interested or doing the same things as you who are like kind of pushing you in a way, you know, not that it's, there's any competition, I don't think in, we all do very separate things. Like you said, the majority of the group is just kind of a film enthusiast thing. Right. But you in particular, like I, I remember reaching out to you because I'm like, oh, I feel like we're very much alike. And we, we kind of have a similar path in terms of career goals or what we're interested in. And, you know, we might be the only two actual like quote unquote filmmakers in even in that group. But um, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it really was just kind of a pages I liked first and foremost. And then nice. after that, just people I wanted to, you know, connect with and have. A, yeah. And I'm, I'm so happy you did. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy you did. And you hit it right on the head. Like just, we, we share like the same uh, kind of charisma, the drive and you know, our characters, like we're just like the group is so civil. Everyone's respectful, yeah. um, you know, and, and good on you, you know, reaching out, uh, kind of recruiting <laughs> the right people, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, cause I made some great friends. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this, like seventh film and, um, yeah. every shot in film and oh, shout out to Dino. yeah great. shout out to yeah exactly shout out to the film critic and just yeah. amazing amazing guys and uh just so supportive uh with all our content i have to say you know i was trying to be uh, unconventional from the beginning uh well i started with film reviews like i used to do my film obsessed and then i just started like putting stuff that i created like with films because i said you know why not uh, show you glimpses of, you know, what I intend to create in the future, right? And uh, that's why I did the artworks and the short clips. And I, I want to just thank you, uh, man, for really giving me that opportunity to be part of this community. It, it, it really means a lot to me. Yeah, of course. No, and thank you for, for joining, just being interested. You know, I could have yeah. said that and everyone would have been like, oh, piss off. Yeah. <laughs> alone, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And, you know, to have it reciprocated by you and, you know, all the rest of the guys that, you know. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so important to be grateful for these experiences. And uh, I, I think it's, you know, I'm sure you can agree, like, this journey of filmmaking, it's so crazy, it's unpredictable. And, uh, you know, just meeting the right people, meeting the people yeah. that share the same interests, like you said, but are also, you know, the same values, 
you know, respectful and courteous and things like that. It's just uh, so, so um, important. And uh, the fact that we found this community is, is quite exceptional. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so what was your early experiences in film that drove you to become more like involved in filmmaking? You know, I, I, it hasn't been until like retrospect when I look back that film right. is kind of always there. Um, but like growing up, I played hockey. That was like my first thing. I was like, I'm gonna be in the NHL. I was like this, that, and then I kind of got into music in like high school and that really took over me. And I became a huge mute, like playing in bands, like just right. obsessed with that world. And that was my whole thing then for a while. Like, Oh, I'm going to be in a touring band, this, that, and if not that, I'll be a producer. And then I was, I want to say I was probably like 19 or 20 years old when I started just watching a lot of movies solely just to like understand like pop culture references, like in TV or like with friends, like jokes, like, at the time, I probably had never seen like The Godfather or Taxi Driver or Pulp Fiction or whatever. And I was like, I should just watch these movies. And it just, I started watching a ton one summer. And then I remember coming across the movie Blue Velvet that changed my life. And at that point, that's when I was like, I need to do like, what the hell was this? I was like, this is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. And uh, at that point, I was like, how is this? Like who? And that's when I thought I was like, maybe the director is the person who's like doing this. So I started thinking about it in that way. And, um, but also, like I said, kind of looking back, like as a kid, I, I found like a script, like in a, an old backpack of mine that I wrote when I was eight, like a, a little short script and, uh, and friends, like making little shorts. And like with my cousins, when I was like five, we made like eight sequels to one. Like, like oh, wow. Movie that's amazing. Made. Yeah. It was like, now I look back, I was like, oh, it was always there. I was always into it, but consciously not until I was like 20 years old. I was like, maybe I could do this for like a, for like a career, maybe, you know? Yeah, but up until for I sure. Like, and, and yeah, and that's, and that's what leads to, you know, like for me, the big thing I have to mention is Pulp Fiction. That's why I created 94 Productions. And that's why I kind of gave it the name. I was born in 94. Um, yeah. And, you know, Pulp Fiction was the one, like my Blue Velvet, yeah. where it was like, that changed my life like in the sense of how i saw films i should say it took me a while it wasn't like an instant um you know uh, classic for me or just i fell in love with it but i started to understand like the genius behind it and why people enjoyed it and i started to see that there's another side to filmmaking and that's what introduced me to my hero quentin tarantino and then that's when the game really changed because before that time uh you know as a child as a teenager you're watching like spielberg movies um you're watching very like you know Forrest Gump Back to the Future nothing too crazy still great pieces of storytelling and then you just watch these Tarantino movies and they go completely left field and you just see how much he challenges the art form um and it challenges the viewer uh to think of the possibilities and since that day I I fell in love with it and that's why I I decided I guess to, to create my production company 94 um you know to commemorate that year and also the year I was born which leads me to my yeah, what's up? No, I was just gonna say, and I feel like you probably were like kind of like me, where it's like even before that, like you could kind of you could tell the difference between a good movie and a bad movie. Of course. But like, you know, once you see that, it's just like, oh, there's like an identity behind this. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, there is. And and that's actually I'm glad you brought that up, is a motivation of mine, you know, why I uh got into films and why um I, I kind of strive towards creating like making my my uh films be part of a brand like it's become daniel calderon 
right? Like when you watch it, you think of me, you think of 94 Productions. Uh, it reminds me of like a documentary I recently watched with Billie Eilish and on Apple TV. And she was saying, you know, I don't want people to talk about my music saying it's pop, saying it's reggae, saying it's country. I want it to be like, that's Billie Eilish music. And I, I can relate to that. I think you can relate to that too, as a filmmaker, like with a unique voice is you want people to think of it as a Tristan Chandra, Chandra mm-hmm. film, right? Or Mandalay Social Club. Like just having that association is so important. Um, and yeah, that's what me, leads me to my next point is Mandalay Social Club uh, yeah. is the name of your video production company. Yes. Um, and where you've been putting a lot of stylistic and entertaining content uh, that I've been enjoying, particularly with the music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of great stuff, man. And I want to know, like, how did you get the name of your company first off? Yeah. Um, well, Mandalay is uh, Mandalay Avenue is a is a street on Clearwater Beach in my hometown, and um, that's just somewhere like growing up. Like every weekend, we're there. Like during the summer, every single day. Like I I go there, and it's just that's I I feel like that's me. You know, right, right on Mandalay Avenue. I don't even remember like if there was a single moment where I was like brainstorming ideas or something. And I was like, man, like this, that it would just, I feel like it just kind of like many of like the great ideas you get for like films or videos or whatever, it just out of nowhere, just kind of pops in your head. And then right. I was like, Oh, that's pretty tight. I was like, Mandalay social club. It sounds pretty cool. And um, you know, when at first it, it wasn't even just solely a video production company, I was it really, at first I didn't even know what it was. I just knew I wanted a space to like, put out creative stuff. Like I was making like instrumental little EPs and like just blogging stuff. Like I thought I was like vice or something and like just putting out all these articles and like video, it was just, I didn't even know what it was. And then even once I like narrowed it down to like film specifically, I even thought about changing it, but I feel like, like film is a very social thing in a way it like, it's very solitary in that fact you can watch it alone, but I feel like if a film's truly effective, it's going to make you want to talk about it with somebody. And like, it's going to create a dialogue of some kind. And I'm not saying I had this consciously flowing through my mind at the time when I thought of this, but yeah, if I look back, I'm like, it does fit regardless because it's, I want something I make to be something that turns into something very social for people, but really yeah, thought provoking, exactly. thought provoking, thought provoking content. That, that's what comes to mind. What, what you were describing and, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad you said that again because with film, it's so important. That's what we strive for, or the the best filmmakers, the one with the great intentions. Is you want to have your your uh, film not only be rewatchable, but rewatchable for the right reasons because people want to learn more about it. Or when they leave the screen, they're asking the questions, and it sits with them. Exactly. Uh, whether it's good or bad too, or whether you like it or like, they have that. Like you brought up Quentin earlier. Like I remember when I first saw Once Upon a Time, I hated it the first time, but. I could not stop talking about it to right. anyone who would listen. I was like, I can't stand this movie. And you're going to listen to me tell you why I don't like it. And then <laughs> right. I can go back a second time. I was like, okay. Yeah. This is and then the third time, I'm like, okay, this might be one of his best, but exactly. Um, you know, whether or how you feel, if it's effective in that way, you just can't, you can't help but just talk about it all the time. Yeah. Hate him or love him. Uh, Pulp Fiction, same concept. I, yeah. first time I watched it, I hated it. I was so annoyed. People were like, oh, the dialogue is so rich. And to me, it was like, it's, just people talking about, you know, uh, uh, pigs and like, you know, uh, uh, swines and you know what I mean? Like uh, Royale with cheese, $5 milkshakes. It was just not making no- nonsense to me. And then I get, like I said, I started reading articles and analyzing it. And I think it wasn't until I started taking up the appreciate, like writing myself, like my, my own stories, like screenplays that you started to realize, like, first of all, writing is not easy at all. 
And then you start hearing how these characters talk and interact and how the dialogue feels like it's just being sung. Yeah. And you, that's what I mean by you discover the genius and you say, okay, this is why they're giving him credit is you have an appreciation as a writer or someone who's aspiring to be a writer that it's not an easy task. And this guy pulls it off like without even looking effortlessly. Right. And that's, that, that is, I should say the genius is Pulp Fiction. You're not supposed to overanalyze it. You're not supposed to say, what is this dialogue foreshadow? It's people talking. And the reason why you love it or you're maybe annoyed by it is because it's just day-to-day conversations that is believable. And that's the plausibility, right? Because they try to do it in movies all the time. Yeah, you know, shooting the shit and you could pick off the bat between the acting and the, and the way it's being spoken uh this is so contrived like why yeah. are they making small talk i hate like i see it all the time i get it, it i detect it yeah. you know and in his movies it's like yeah keep talking about why you hate that burger <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Absolutely. i think and i think like literally one of the best examples of that too is is the opening scene of reservoir dogs which is still my favorite like tarantino movie but the opening where they're just talking about Madonna and talking about like what like a virgin means and they're banging out it's like oh no she's you know suck a million dicks or what whatever it may be and it's just like <laughs> exactly. what are they talking about but I like keep on rewinding and just listen to them talk about Madonna and what she means when she talks about like a virgin you know yeah it's it's yeah. so uh, it's so compelling it's so intriguing and 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 this is what you you meant by your kind of like intention your vision for Mandalay Social Club is having that conversation creating films that people have mm-hmm. that dialogue or invested in the dialogue that you're sharing with them on the screen. Right. Um, which gets me to my next point about what kind of projects are you focusing on as a filmmaker right now with this production company? Yeah, right now, um, at least in 2021. And I, it was weird just to say that out loud. Cause I was talking about it actually earlier with a buddy of mine. I, I haven't right. shot a music video in 2021 yet at all. Um, and I've just been kind of rebranding and reworking Mandalay, but my biggest focus right now is a short film that I'm, I wrote and will be directing. Nice. Um, and, you know, obviously when we're at this stage, we're kind of doing everything. Like I'm also the producer, I'm also the production assist. So it's- Of course, man. It's pre, pre-production phase. <laughs> with the editing. Like a million hats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's what I'm focused on right now. And it's a big change because this will be my first time working with a full legit like crew. And nice. like- here and there I've worked with like, like sound guys. And I've learned so, I mean, just one night of working with a sound recordist and a boom up, I learned so much. It was, I was like, Oh, that's how you slate a scene. I was like, Oh, like I would, like, I, you know, they're probably like, why is this, who is this guy? Like, why is he? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. um, So like, I'm super stoked because I know like now working with other crew members and other people, it's like, I'm stoked because I'm going to learn so much and I can only get better by doing that. It's true. And so I'm really kind of only focusing on this for now. And then once I finish that, just getting back into the music videos with kind of a new fresh mind where it's, I'm not doing everything myself anymore, which it can be fun, but at the, at you, you hit a ceiling at, at some point where when you're a one man crew, and I'm sure you can relate to this as well. It's yes, just like, of course. Dude, it's, it's like now I'm negating like some of the DP duties because I'm worrying about the lighting here, or I'm negating the directing because I'm so focused about the camera movement and, you know, it comes to a point where you got to delegate. And that's kind of where I'm at now. It's just kind of expanding the the brand as a whole by kind of creating a crew and a, a network of people to work together to really like more effectively, I guess, kind of meet the vision or whatever. Yeah. You know? Tell the story. It's yeah. you, you, um, very interesting what you said, because that's something that I've 
kind of contemplated, like just struggled with. And, you know, like I said, I started 94 productions and it's, you start off as every independent filmmaker knows you start off as like a one man crew, unless you have a partnership with someone, but most likely it's just yourself, your, your vision and you're doing all the, all the jobs. Um, I've been fortunate uh, in situations like my last short film I shot last summer. Um, we, uh, they wanted me as a director and a cinematographer. So I was able to do both. I didn't mind it because I was right. able to control like the shots and I even edited it. So I edited it like how I saw, you know what I mean? Like the shots and how, how the narrative was, but the intention is exactly what you said is eventually you're going to hit that ceiling and you want to collaborate with people that you trust and are talented enough that can pull off your vision even more so that you can with, with the camera alone. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes with, like you said, with just constantly networking and constantly creating projects. That's the only way you're going to meet new yeah. people. Um, you know, budget budgeting, that's a huge concern. Uh, like a, another issue, a factor that you have to take into consideration, um, like like I'm learning about funding and trying mm -hmm. to get projects, and you have to you have to partner too. Like you can't uh, take advantage of those partnerships because they seek certain, um, you know, people being being on board those projects, right? Whether it's from a racial standpoint, uh, cultural uh, things like that. So, you know, I've been fortunate. I've been uh, grateful that way, um, you know, to be connected with those people, but I can relate exactly to what you're saying is, you know, you hit that ceiling and, and I'm so happy that you have that opportunity now that you're not wearing so many hats. Cause it's, it's so tough. It's so strenuous and it takes a toll on the vision really. Yeah. And I mean, there's obviously like certain things that's like, I still like directing has always been my main thing. So it's like, I, yeah. if I want to be better as a director, I need to allow a cinematographer whose whole passion is cinematography yeah so like let them like take the wheel i have a shot list i know what it needs to look like i have everything but you know you got to be able to give it to people who are better than you in certain things yeah like, if you want it to look better and obviously still some things i like to do i will always feel like right i feel like most things that i do um and edit too you mentioned editing that's a huge thing i'm like i won't color it anymore or grade it Cause I'm not very good at that, but yeah, yeah. in terms of uh, editing and chopping it up, I couldn't even imagine passing that off to somebody else. Like they don't know what I'm looking for, you know? See? Yeah. And I'm uh, thank, thank you for saying that because yeah. I, I don't know if, if it's probably because we're not at that stage yet, but yeah, yeah. like I, when you direct it, you know what I mean? To, you have to get the right editor. And I think that's why Tarantino Scorsese, they have someone that only them exactly. they work with. And if you hear how they talk right in interviews, they sit with them. It's not like they say, Oh yeah. Send me the cut. They sit with them. And that that's a sign that they don't have maybe the expertise to know how to put it all together, but they're yeah. telling them like, remember that shot, put it in this area. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's Followed the vision needs to be, and, yeah. and you get a, and you get an editor that respects that. And you're, you have beauty, you have, you're making magic because yeah. uh, the last thing you want is an editor to be like, let me do my stuff, walk out of the room. You want them to be like, no, I, I need to listen to what, cause at the end of the day, they're creative, but to a certain extent, you want to listen to what the, director saying the, the vision that what he had in mind yeah because um, at that point then it becomes like there's like there's a lot of different stages like when you start out writing something it kind of like unless you are the writer director whatever like that's like the writer's thing it's like oh this is my story once the director gets his hands on it dude it's probably not going to be at all what you envisioned or what you thought and if you send your stuff off to an editor then that film is taking to a third stage of somewhere completely different where now yeah. it's not even what you did and like I see it a lot in music videos. Like there's a ton of music video directors. I just consider them videographers um, who they'll shoot some stuff. They have no composition, no shots, no nothing. And then they send it off to an editor who makes it look really cool and like yeah. with all these effects and it looks neat. But they're like, yeah, I directed this. It's like, 
dude, I can't even tell what you shot. It just, it's just a yeah. bunch of effects and edits. It's like, yeah. if anything, I want to know who edited this thing. And he did a sick job. You know, so you, you made a, you made a, you made another very good point. Cause this is what I was kind of like having an argument uh, or a debate, I should say with, uh, you know, family or just people that view my work. Uh, you know, they, they were commenting on one of those promos. Cause I, I do 94 collection, like my, yeah. my clothing line. And I'm starting to get into promos because I, I, I love that Adidas, Nike, you know, that, just that fashion aesthetic, right? Um, but they were commenting and saying like, oh, like, why, why aren't you doing like flashy kind of cuts? Or like, I see this video where it does transitions. And a big thing for me is I will put it if it uh, suits the editing. You know what I mean? Like if it suits, it has to flow like the narrative, right? Like I'm not going to put a fancy cut because I tried it. And I thought maybe it was because I was hesitant or I was fearful because I, I couldn't pull it off or I didn't know how to do it. But I did experiment with some of the transitions and it just didn't, you know, play, play out the way I wanted it to. And the reason being, I believe is the editing is God. I can't remember where I heard it, but I took a masterclass and they said something like, you never uh, dictate the story. The story dictates you. Like you, you, if you're a true editor, like a storyteller, and you know what I'm talking about when you're editing it, you're, you're like listening to the flow. You're not, you're listening to, you know how you have that mind, but oh, that shot looks really good. Like that short film I did called Beautiful. Yeah. There's an ending shot that I really wanted to use. I had it visualized, prepared. I made the actor do it. So like literally like 20 times. Yeah. I saw the rough cuts of all of them, all the takes. And I'm like, nope, we're not putting that shot. It just didn't fit. And if you force it in, the audience will pick it up and say, that's why they use the terms corny or contrived or, you know, doesn't look right. Yeah. So yeah. And if you notice like a lot of the big, I think a lot of people get it misconstrued because if you, if you see on Instagram, you see it all the time, like the sponsored ads or the sponsored right. posts, the flashy edits and crazy styles and stuff, you know, unless it's done in a tasteful manner or there's some sort of story behind it, my mind drifts off. I don't know if you could say the same. Yeah. Like I just can't, I, I don't like, like the editing great. Like I, I'm glad you are, are talented that way, yeah. but you know, you have something going for you or you're, you're a true storyteller when you watch those music videos, man, and there's just like cut after cut. Yeah. yeah and there's totally. no fancy styles or anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just uh, like, I'm thinking of like, you know, Billy Eilish's bad guy, mm -hmm. you know, great song, you know, music video fit the, the, the song, but yeah. they didn't need fancy edits to, to pull it off. Yeah. It was just, it was just simple, like cuts, like one after the next, but again, there's a narrative, there's some kind of story. Exactly. And yeah, I, I just, that, that's why I wanted to bring it up, man, because I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I'm so happy you did because it's refreshing. Like sometimes you think as a filmmaker, as a director, like, oh, should I start experimenting and doing this? But a big thing for me is that if it doesn't fit or if it doesn't feel right, why just push it just because someone on Instagram is doing it? Doing exactly. And I mean, like you said, like that's actual filmmaking. That is directing. When you don't have to rely on all these post-production, you're making the magic happen in front of the camera. And the only thing you're doing afterwards is cutting it together and then coloring it so it looks nice but other than that you're not adding this effect and this and it's all grainy and all this like yeah this footage that's randomly thrown in that makes no sense and it's just like what like what am i even watching right now like i, I feel like i'm having a stroke like what is this? yeah exactly and like, and it takes away and people don't realize it takes away from the music because you're so full your brain is so focused on yeah. what's happening on the screen in a bad way where it's like what's happening like i don't feel the music it doesn't flow with the transitions the beats exactly. um it's all just very oversaturated because then this video just yeah. looks like the next. They don't, there's nothing different about them, you know? It's yeah. And that, and that's something, you know, not to shit on the, the genre, but I've seen it uh, with up and coming like rappers or hip hop, especially, right? Like they, they just pull off that 
a typical kind of, yeah, those cuts. And, yeah. you know, like I if you look, sorry, go ahead, man. I was, no, I was just going to say, I call yeah, them yeah, yeah. pull up and shoot videos. Pull like, up and pull shoot. Pull up yeah. me in the kitchen. And then we'll, we'll, we'll put effects. It's like, no dog. Like I don't want to do that. Like at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, good I, for I, you I, for holding your ground. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. you, you want to, you, you have a story in your head and you have how they turn and whatever. Obviously you're going to have times where like, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of keep the camera rolling. You know what I mean? Like just do whatever, like I, the last music video I shot, um, it was a cross between me directing him, but at the same time, uh, because it was just very rough, like we had to quickly get it done for a contest. And I only had like uh, three hours to do it. Yeah, I yeah. said, yeah, just do your thing. So he was on his phone texting. Then he put it away. Then I got shots of him putting his phone away him. Look, and I said, okay, look over your shoulder now. Like I would just throw in like little tips and stuff. And I got so much great footage, spontaneous shots, yeah. uh, that felt organic because you got to keep that camera rolling. You got to capture everything. And exactly. that's where, like you said, that, that storytelling, uh, the vision, the mentality uh, plays a huge benefit because you're able to pick those scenes For sure. and put them in sequence. And I, I think if you have a vision too, like, cause I, I am, I'm in love with improv like whether it be shots or even dialogue, like my scripts right. only get better when I do rehearsals with actors because I let them improv, I let them say whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I film it and then I go back and I retype some of the good stuff from these rehearsals. And yeah. same thing with shooting. It's like, yeah, I have a shot list, but you never know what you're going to see on the day when you're there. But if you don't even go in with any specific vision ahead of time, then it's just pointless. Like, yeah, yeah. you're improving, but it's, you don't have any kind of mental direction in why or what you are improving, you know? And I think that's why I uh, kind of still, I'm in love with the cinematography aspect. Like I, I love directing, but I also love shooting the actual uh, footage. Uh, yeah. just knowing that because I because I that's why actually I should say another reason why I started 94 productions is for a while I was always told like the cinematography the videography I, like I had an eye for it mm -hmm. and I said let me capitalize on these skills like if they need it for promo videos or corporate videos or real estate um, so what I'm saying is when I shoot shot that short film for example last summer uh, I, I didn't mind wearing the hat I didn't mind uh, being the cinematographer because again you, you're so yeah. uh, infatuated with your own vision that you want to, yeah. you, you don't, you know what I mean? Like you want to just be in control of those hats. Cause you know, it, it, it can uh, play the best part, but exactly. I think it's all about grinding it out at the end of the day. Right. Like just keep going. And the, the people kind of overcomplicate uh, filmmaking. And I used to be guilty of this uh, where I, I felt like I needed to know the right people. There was a, a time cause I'm in Toronto that I, I said, I need to be in LA to make movies. Yeah. Um, you know, just things that you're taught as a child. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're not even in Los Angeles yourself. You're in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, right? Right now? Yeah. Yeah, right? So like, it's like, that's even why I went to Atlanta too. Cause I'm like, oh, the film industry moved there. So I got to go. But like, yeah, yeah. Real, I could live in freaking buttfuck Montana and it wouldn't matter. I could still exactly. do that you know, so I don't think it matters, but yeah, continue. Uh, no, no, but exactly. And, and Atlanta, Georgia, yeah, I should say uh, that's definitely a, a great industry, but again, it wouldn't, you'll, you'll meet another guy that'll say, but what about Los Angeles? Right. Um, and I learned, and, and I'm sure you learned too, right. Where it's like, you can create anything uh, as long as you have the vision, especially nowadays where we have the affordable equipment and we have social media uh, look like, look at us, right. We're I'm from Toronto, you're from Tampa originally, but you're now you're in Atlanta and you we connected and we yeah. connected on the same level and i didn't need to be in los angeles i didn't need to be part of an agency or no, no tarantino and that's that's the that's the the, the genesis of a, of a friendship right like that's how we the, of a collaboration yeah. so i think it's just so important to that that whole idea of picking up a camera you know just shooting 
whatever you believe in. And along the lines from my experience, cause I never went to film school, sure. people like yourself gravitate to you. People that yeah. are talented, people that uh, share the same vision, people have their own stories to tell. And your situation, you'll find, you know, the lighting guy, you'll find the sound guy, you'll find all these people because over time, can you work on this project? You meet this guy, then you do a project, you, you know, post something online, he wants to do something. So I think it's so important that people just take that, that risk. If they really want to be a filmmaker, pick up that camera and just shoot anything. For right? sure. I mean, and like you said about overthinking, like it's as easy as going on Google, like just having an internet connection. Yeah. I could find a hundred cinematographers within a 20 mile radius of me at any yeah. given, moment. you know what I mean? Or like, like we mentioned, like Dino from every shot of painting that Instagram page, he, I, I like put a post on my story. I was like, Hey, I'm looking for a colorist. He hit me up. Like he introduced me to the person who I'm more nice. than likely going to be using as my colorist on the short film. And, you know, we chatted and he was a great dude and I felt like we could collaborate well, but again, that's something that very randomly was a suggestion from just somebody I met who lives in Germany. You know what I mean? And that's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's a really crazy, weird thing. And sometimes I think about like, like what some of these older filmmakers, like someone like Kubrick or Hitchcock or whatever, like imagine if they were alive now or like coming up at like our age now, it's like, dude, it wouldn't even be fair. Like with the amount of resources, <laughs> what they could make, like yeah. it would not be fair for anyone. And yeah. uh, like, I think about them, like, God, I wish like they could have made something in 2020. Like it would have been so crazy, but yeah, yeah we have a lot at our fingertips, you know? No, it's, it's, it's so true, man. And that's like, you know, I'm sure you're no strangers to this about, you know, having either your doubts or, you know, there's days where they're better than others, right? Where you're just kind of like, you know, is this, is this the path for me or what am I doing kind of thing? Because um, it, it gets overwhelming. Uh, that's a big thing for me, man. Like it just sometimes like I've been going through my own little uh, phase, uh, especially because where I'm living, we're going through our third lockdown, <laughs> which is crazy. So but what I'm saying is like, you know, you have to, like I said, take advantage of those resources um, and just be grateful that you have those resources, really. Like, don't let them overwhelm you. Like, if you really, like you said, in dire need of a cinematographer and you can't pick up the camera yourself, I'm the kind of guy where it's like, don't even hire, like, if you really want to make that film happen or you don't have the money or, or you don't, you're, you're like, don't know how to connect with these people or network, just do it yourself. Like, that's kind of like how I did it very rough. Like, I just picked up a camera and started shooting like some short films and then I used that as a network. Absolutely. networking thing but you're right like there's so many avenues that you can take it and just to see yeah kubrick and uh you know hitchcock all those guys um sergio leone and like francis yeah. ford coppola like in their prime can you imagine just like creating bangers after bangers because they were considered that were like true independent directors whatever that meant for their yeah. time and yeah. even if they were independent, like they were independent because their budget wasn't as big, but we're like the independent ones because it's like <laughs> create like the amount of films that we're creating out, out of like our bare hands practically. Right. It's insane. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different, uh, different time. And uh, people are yeah. Seeing I, movies on their iPhones. Yeah. No. I, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. People, <laughs> I think that's a preferred method of watching. Uh, yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. So it's, weird. I, I personally love the whole uh, theater experience which I'll get into this point. Yeah. So what's going on? Like, do you think theaters are going to die with this whole pandemic or you're hoping not? I, I don't know. I, um, at least out here, and I don't know how it is in, in Toronto or in Canada as a whole, but right. at least out here, theaters have been back open for a little bit. And I've, I've gone a few times. I think the first movie, I think it was like when Tenet came out, like, when was that? Like September, October? Yeah, I believe so. That's when like movie theaters started to kind of open up again and 
I was kind of like, oh, should I go? Should I not? You know, whatever. But then not only are they all doing like the limited seating, but like on top of that, because of the fear, like I was the, I'm not joking you. I was the only person on the day that Tenet came out, the only person in that theater, I was the only one. And I was like, this is amazing. I could go to movies like this for the rest of my life. I was like, this is <laughs> That's great. Insane, man. Um, but I don't know. I, I think, I think it's unfortunate that some more independent theater chains, they might not be able to survive, which are kind of the theaters that are, and I'm sorry, they're not chains at all, but these independent theaters are the ones that like, they don't have the the capital, like an AMC or a Regal or whatever. And it's, yeah, yeah. you know, I feel like they might stay afloat maybe, you know, um, but these independent theaters is more or more what I'm concerned about. But I think, yeah, I think a lot of them have at least a strong enough, support system where it's like hey we bought a bunch of gift cards you know they're doing like virtual screenings and just i think things like that that might keep them afloat for a bit but i'm just more concerned about like technology progressing being the reason that it it like kicks out like these movie theaters even more than the pandemic i would say just because it's weird people don't like going to the movie theaters i guess anymore yeah like, so, like, it's, it's, so, strange. so it's our generation man it's yeah. they, they love the comfort of being in it you know watching a film at home but it's yeah. it's fine and all like there are some movies that definitely deserve to be on a screen whether they're poorly done or because yeah. they're just a, they're just a tv movie like you know you just watch it and you have a good time and they're not like a tenant like you need exactly. that surround sound or that huge 100 inch screen tv yeah. but you know, for me, it's, it's all about the experience, whether it's an independent film, whether it's an action blockbuster, I just love the idea of going into the audience. That's why one of the big reasons uh, I fell in love with movies and I wanted to be a filmmaker is there is something, it's like a drug that action, the audience's reaction, like the gasp and the sigh or, or them, you know, sobbing or, or just simply saying like, how did he do that? Like, I love watching movies. That, that's what gave me goosebumps when I would watch movies, uh, especially like a Tarantino and they'd be like, oh, that opening scene with Inglorious Bastards, Christoph Waltz killed it. Like, I just, I, I live for that. And it's like, imagine if people were talking that way about mine. I don't know if it's some kind of egotistical thing, but I definitely like just live off of that uh, sure. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, cause it's a, it's a very kind of like almost like a religious experience in a way it's like going to a church people feel very moved by like music or worship or whatever in a church but it's like and that's been like that's you know their interest but movies as well is very much that same way you all gather together in this dark room and you watch this massive thing and it's like you know even beyond just thinking of like my favorite movies of the year I always like to think about like my favorite like movie going like theater going experience of the year like yeah like I remember watching Midsommar when it came out like two years ago, whenever I was like, it, like a great movie. It wasn't like my favorite of when was that 2019, but I was like, yeah. that was the best theater experience I had. Like, I felt like I was floating out of the chair just based on the, the way that Ari Oster directed it and cut it. And it, yeah. you know, that's something you can't get at home. Like, I don't care if you have a flat screen, 70, yeah. in, like, you can't get at home. Like, yeah. It's, it's a completely, I don't know. If it goes away, I'll be pretty pissed. I can't. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. And if it goes away in the States, it'll definitely go away in Canada. That's the problem. Um, Cause we follow your market. And, you know, I just want to go back to what you're saying about that movie is you, you, there, there's even like those details people miss. It's just, it's not about like the screen. It's not about, you know, the sound. It's the little things. You're in a dark room. Uh, you, subconsciously, you can't use your phone at a, being courteous. Even when you went with tenant, right? By yourself. Right. I doubt that phone was being taken out because it's just so intimidating. It's so, uh, you know, it just consumes you that 
you have no right, no, no, like right now, you know, it's like an addiction, right? Especially because we're home. It's only amplified. We're always looking at our phone, thinking about it. Did someone text me? Someone call me. Even when I watch a movie, I can't get through it because I'm always looking at my phone. I know. You know what I mean? And when you're in the theater, it's like sanctuary. You're just like in your Zen, you're just watching it. It, it really forces you to like really, it forces you more than yeah. you would otherwise. And, and if you hear a buzz, like in the phone, like obviously I check the phone, like for a time, but it, I'll never like take it out and actually stare at it and scroll through because again, other than the fact of being courteous, you just don't do it. You're in that setting. Like your brain's just, you know, but majority of our generation, man, unfortunately don't think like that, right? Like people just rather have that convenience. And I've had these conversations on the podcast before yeah. uh, you came on. And again, unfortunately, again, there's a lot of uh, people that, you know, our age that are, are okay with it. They said, yeah, like if I can watch it at home. And I, it disturbs me in a way because, you know, it's like, how could, how could you do that storytelling justice? Like no. Frances McDormand at the Oscars, right? She said it in her acceptance speech, she's like, and all these movies you see, I hope you watch them in the theaters or you better watch them in the theaters and not on your phone. And I, and I felt that. I know what she means. It's like, dude, these poor filmmakers, man, they had to like settle for that. Yeah. And that's like, no filmmaker sets out with the intention like, oh yeah, can't wait for someone to watch this on their freaking iPhone 10s. Yeah. You know? It's like, no, this needs to be seen on a big screen. Like I remember talking to a buddy who's like, oh yeah, I just watched that that movie on, uh, on my phone last night. I just looked and I was like, what the fuck did you just say? I was like, you watched a movie <laughs> on your phone? Like when you have a TV in your phone? Like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> yeah, I was like, why would you do that? And, and I have watched, like, I remember distinctly like, uh, I was flying somewhere. I don't even remember where, uh, but it was when marriage story came out and I was like, Oh, oh I've been dying to watch it. And I watched it on my phone and, uh, and I kind of felt like weird about it too, because I was just so pompous about that. But like, it's still like, I was literally crying in this airplane next to some random grown man, stranger. Like I'm I just believe it. I believe it. it. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, from my Same phone. For me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah Happened to me too. Yeah. When I watch it, it was such a powerful, and this is what I mean by like, you know, obviously it wasn't written by Tarantino, but great uh, execution, great writer. Um, Noah Baumbach is a hell of a writer. Yeah, hell of a writer, right? And this is what I mean by like, you watch it and there's not one reservation, one thing in your head saying, no, like this this is clearly scripted. Like you felt it. You felt like that was a divorce. Like that was a, a, a breakup. Great performances. Beautiful. Have to throw it out there. Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver killed it. Um, and it was refreshing again, because they're part of these blockbuster franchises and just to see that there, there's more to them than meets the eye. Right. Absolutely. That's always okay. amazing. But yeah, man. So, uh, I just want to kind of know, like with regards to Mandalay social club, like is you posted it's under construction. What, what does that mean exactly? Are you kind of like fixing, fixing some things up? Yeah. Kind of just redecorating, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Spring it, cleaning. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just washing all the COVID off and, uh, Nice. you know, coming back nice and clean, but it's, it's kind of a, how I mentioned earlier, just kind of how now like in the productions itself, there will be a much bigger production value just because that's, you know, what I'm trying to do. And yeah. um, so with that, you know, there's just a new look, new kind of logos here and there. And, um, right. you know, so we're, we're going to start kind of launching back again and, you know, in the next month or so, like once we kind nice. of conclude shooting on the film and, we can th start throwing some teasers. So you're out. shooting right now, the short film? Shooting next month. It'll only oh, be okay. a two-day two shoot only. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, so it's a small film, kind of yeah, like what I'm doing soon. Yeah, it's like a one-day, half-a-day thing. Yeah, yeah, we realistically probably could have done it in one day, but it all takes place in like a night. So just because it'll be... Like oh, yeah, yeah. I need the right, yeah. Yeah, so 
that's literally the only reason we're doing it in two days. But like you said, it's not very easy. I mean, an eight page script. Well, initially it was a five page script. And then after like improving rehearsals and like adding dialogue. Now it's like, <laughs> Tristan went home and it was like, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, stop talking. Double, yeah. Double just like talk, snapping. Keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's more like stop talking. We're, we're, we, we don't have the budget for this shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. A big yeah, thing. That's what's happening. That's good, man. Yeah, I'm excited because um, I was going through your posts and I was like, oh, like you're still under construction and I didn't know what that meant exactly. I had a feeling, obviously, like I know what that means. Basically, you're just kind of stepping stepping aside and, you know, just uh, going back on your projects and collecting your thoughts and yeah, yeah, just bumping up the aesthetic and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's charging, you know? Yeah, I, w- I wanted to ask you, like, is it, is, is this have to do with like maybe social media? Like, were you getting a little bit overwhelmed? Um, Needed to disconnect? I don't, I don't think so. At least not in a, I don't think that was at least at the forefront of my mind. I'm sure right, right. Cause I, I can't scroll for more than like 10 minutes and just be like, God, I hate so many people yet. I'm like following half these people that I can't stand. Right. What is um, that? It's so weird. And it's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Instagram is a weird place. Social media. I think Twitter is the most toxic of all social medias. Oh, I, I barely, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. I'm it, a late bloom. I'm, I'm a, a late adopter on that. Cause it's <laughs> I have no idea. Just an awful place. I mean, yeah. it is for people who just want to hate people like that. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. the worst. Um, yeah. But Instagram, I mean, no, it wasn't really that as much as just kind of, I felt that Mandalay, like it was kind of slipping through my fingers. Not that I was losing it, but I was like, I we need to rebrand this. We need to really recharge this because it, like I said, kind of hitting the ceiling where we were at, what we were doing, we kind of did hit the ceiling. And um, it was just like, I need to, if we're going to come back with something completely new, it needs to be a new look. And we got to be, you know, just fresh and new and just leave that in the past and um so it, it wasn't kind of just canceling out because i'm still on my own like i scroll a lot even if i don't post on my yeah own. yeah for sure no yeah i know you're active me. that's how we were able to connect that's how we were able to have this episode everyone because i don't <laughs> yeah. have his number so thank god you're still on it man or else i would have been getting a dm uh, two months later <laughs> yeah oh shoot dude forgot about the podcast yeah yeah is this podcast still is it still air still live are you still yeah. doing it <laughs> I text yeah, you back. I'm like, nah. but uh, I'd love to be on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, podcast is too big. We're hiring. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Yeah. It's Joe. It turned into the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> Daniel just got the Spotify deal, so he doesn't. Yeah, he's good. He's good. There's a guest. There's a guest list. Like, I yeah, he's got Jordan what... Peterson on this week. He doesn't need you. <laughs> <laughs> so I have it. No, I, I would be the guy to bring you on and be like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, this is a guy. Yeah. And got back to me nine years later. Yeah. Oh, you got to welcome him. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, hey, my name's Tristan. What's going on? From almost a decade ago? Yeah, that's when we met. <laughs> Thanks for answering my DMs. <laughs> yeah, man, it's 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 all good, man. And uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's important to sometimes disconnect. Like the big yeah. thing for me, my biggest struggle is uh, like I was never a social media guy. Um, yeah. I only got it because like my past relationship, like it was one of those things like, hey, get it, whatever. And I've been hooked, but I haven't. Then I disconnected. It's just, yeah. I've become like, you know, just on it all the time because of this business, this business I'm trying to create. And I've kind of learned my lesson that because I have disconnected for like a week mm-hmm. and I'll miss a message from like the IG soldiers or like a personal message or people reaching out, a right. contact client, who knows, right? And it's like, I don't like that idea that, you know, when I get that message, like, where are you? Where were you? And I realized like social media, unfortunately, like as much as we hate it or not, it's just the way we connect now. Yeah. And I think it's so important to have that presence. Yeah. And you mentioned business too. I mean, like 95% of me having an Instagram is like to promote my work or to find work. Like I'm literally cold calling artists 
in their DMS or finding their emails from their Instagram pages. Like, nice. you know what I mean? People aren't, they don't really have websites very much anymore. And it's just, it's a yeah. place to find work and to promote your work. And you know, the other 5% is for meme pages and sending, you know, funny shit to my <laughs> friends and uh, whatever, you know, but yeah, yeah. that's about it. I mean, 95% of it is just, is for the work and it's, it's a good place to find that, but it's unfortunate that it's mixed within such a toxic kind of uh, arena. Yeah. It's um, like, I've, I've seen it as a blessing in a way, because again, I can connect with someone like yourself, but also just other artists and colleagues that have helped me kind of create a, a platform uh, with this podcast, like guest list, because when I first started it, I had no intention. Like I had an intention where it was going to go, but I just didn't know, you know, how far it would. And I, I honestly thought I would run out of guests or just bring on the same five friends and talk about the same things. Yeah. And then, like I said, like, as I realized, like, like you said, with Instagram, just cold DMing, just people and uh, reaching out. Like, I remember it was the craziest thing. Like when you commented on one of my posts, you said, say it made a kind compliment, like great conversation, or, um, yeah. you know, very important as a director to think this way. I don't know, something like that. And I was just like, oh my God, like my boy, Tristan there, I got a message. him. <laughs> I know he would love yeah. to be on the podcast. And, uh, you know, next thing, you know, that's what I'm saying, right. Is I'm always trying to see like, who's the next guest, uh, who wants to talk about, you know, films or really just your creative journey. Um, a lot of people that I learned that, you know, like I've gotten entrepreneurs and real estate agents that are my friends or also former colleagues, and Mm -hmm. you can learn a lot from them. Like it doesn't have to always be about film. It's kind of interesting, right. Cause we all have, we're all trying to make it in our own way. Right. And we're all trying to, you know, just make sense of the world. Um, it's, it's, it's a great time, but it's also a crazy time and not just with the pandemic. It's, it's overwhelming. Like we don't know, everyone wants to do this and they want to do that. And then they want, like back then everyone just had one path. And I feel like, you know, that, that's just something that affected me for sure. I was joking around with you about before the podcast about the identity crisis, but that was something that I was going through, man, you know, just something that I was kind of right. Like just experiencing. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, I feel that probably like every other day, you know, not every day. But every yeah, day. yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's like, God, this thanks is, for being honest. Like, yeah. It's like, this sucks. I was like, I should have just like been a lawyer. Like I intended to, like, why am I doing this to myself? Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's weird, but I, I feel like that's just natural. And I feel like if you're not constantly questioning it, then you probably don't care about it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I always just try to keep that. I feel like always the most arrogant people in in terms of whatever it may be, whether these videographers who claim to be directors, yeah, those the ones who send off all the work to editor, those are the cockiest directors, quote unquote, to the listeners who aren't watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are constantly like, I'm the best, I'm this, I'm that. It's like, no, dude, you fucking suck. Your editor <laughs> is dope, but you suck. Like because you're up. you're paying it because you're paying because I know you right because you're you're a filmmaker at heart you're paying attention to those shots and yeah. you know if someone is legitimate like someone like you said is is getting fancy with the edits or or do they actually have an eye for that that uh, that story that vision right exactly and that's what you look for and and I guess I feel complimented in a way that's that's why you reached out right because you oh, saw absolutely. some of my stuff <laughs> yeah, you, yeah I mean like the music videos like even like the clips I know you've been working on that one short and you, you I remember you telling us you know you got accepted in these festivals which is so dope thank um, you yeah thank you that, that one hasn't been released though yet has it um I talking about cracked or beautiful cracked I believe Crack, no crack cracked hasn't been released yet okay. uh it's a they're just kind of like, you know, respecting the producer, like the co-creators. I think they don't want to release it right now. So I'm just trying to keep it under wraps. But yeah, we're just waiting back on some festivals, crossing our fingers. Um, 
but yeah, if you saw the Instagram page, uh, they, those were some shots. Uh, yeah, because you posted posted a lot of stills. I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of stills, and uh, yeah, great, great opportunity for me, man. I have to say, it was, it was uh, really interesting because I, like you were explaining about, I, I was having a, a moment where I was trying to figure out who am who am I? Am I a director? Am I a videographer? Or who do I want to be pegged as? Right? Because I don't want to be known as a videographer, and I was afraid of that. And I remember at a networking event. Um, there was like a senior kind of videographer that warned me and he said, listen, everyone wants to be a director at some point in this industry, but unfortunately they get pigeonholed into something because they don't expand or they don't kind of voice what they want. And I said, and I said to my head, I'm like, that's not a Tarantino move. Like I got to make my, I got to put you know what I mean? Like (laughs) uh, if I want to be like Tarantino level, that's, that's, that's my definition of making it like that kind of like writer director, right? Like that brand. And I said, I got to make my, my, my voice heard. So when I would connect with people, I would always tell them like, listen, I'm a cinematographer, but I'm, I'm also a director. And if I come on board, like I'm going to be directing this film and you prove yourself through the storyboarding, through explaining it, that they see that, wow, this guy actually has a vision for the story. It's not just shot A, shot B, shot C, done. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> why are you doing this shot or why is this shot? that? So I'm really excited that you, uh, for you to watch this film, man. And uh, I'd love to hear your feedback because you'll see in the shots, like everything kind of has a reason. Because uh, I, I did the cinematography for it, right? So you, you'll understand like, you know, with the gimbal, God bless that Ronin, Ronin-esque gimbal. Love it. Greatest investment, right? I know. <laughs> like you just see so many filmmakers have it. And yeah. that's really all you need. Like, again, if you, if you don't believe me, yeah, it's a bit... Yeah. It's a bit pricey save up you know scrap the ps5 save up invest in yourself <laughs> invest yeah. in yourself and i'm telling you it's best all you need is a camera a good lens and that gimbal and you're solid the, the yeah. shots you can pull off it's insane it's yeah. absolutely absurd absurd use and by the way if any uh, filmmaker is listening uh you know struggling to make their first project or doesn't know how to go from there you don't always need uh, a scripted uh story i'm a firm believer like alfred hitchcock you know when you're starting out or if you're a true storyteller do it through visuals and with music yeah when i was first making my film they're in the greatest but the best way to understand how how films are uh films and stories i should say are constructed yeah is like like you film the shots but then you use the music to tell the story absolutely and people don't need writing people that can kind of understand through the body language like what's happening and i think that just forces you because show don't tell golden rule of cinema right and the more you tell than show that's when you know that you don't know. That's when they can detect you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> 100%. And I, I, I love that. And like, that's why I don't like wordy stuff. I hate when people explain stuff in a movie. I don't even pay. I hardly even remember the characters' names. Like by the end. Yes, yes, cool. yes. But I remember the <laughs> shot. I remember the moment. I remember how it made me feel. I remember that forever. Right. But, you know, I don't remember his name. I, a lot of even plot points. Many times I don't even remember. I was like, oh, that happened? I was like, I don't, I don't know. But did you see that one shot, dude? That was spooky because of this and the light and the, you know, whatever. But it's so crazy. Yeah. Like, for example, like when you were saying that, like one thing that comes to mind is uh, I, I'm the kind of person where I, I love the shots so much. Like I'm, I'm, I'm such a firm believer and you got to have the, the, an aesthetic shot and because it speaks a thousand words, right? Like a, a nice picture and, you know, the dark night and like stranger things. Like those just like shots that from all forms like film television where i'll search on youtube and i'll just watch the scene like a crazy person like i won't even watch the movie i'll just watch like the opening of dark night i'll just watch it over and over again like that and then like they're like going down the skyscrapers and like the jokers like you know just the way he's like walking and observing everyone like picking each other off it's just the rhythm of it the pacing and yeah that's all you need like that's your education Exactly. I'm not, I'm not trying to denounce film school, but I'm a guy that didn't go to film school. And like my hero Tarantino, I hope one, 
Like that's my, my, my uh, belief. If one day I can yeah. say, Hey, this is proof. Like my hero before me that you don't need to, you just need yeah. to collaborate and connect with the right people. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure like, I feel like the best part of film, like I didn't go to film school either. Okay. Nice. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like the best thing you could probably get out of is maybe the networking, like just meeting other people. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't need like, again, like you mentioned, like, uh, like I think of my favorite filmmakers still like they didn't go to film school. Like maybe some did here and there, but many like Paul Thomas Anderson dropped out after like two days, you know, like, two days. Hey, wow. They, and the best filmmakers like Scorsese, right? Like he went, I know he went uh, to NYU, I think, but uh, you can almost tell that he went, uh, he, he kind of took it, turned it around. Like he didn't kind of go and just came out like a cookie cutter director or he just tried to find a job as like, I don't know, like a gaffer, you know what I mean? Like a full-time Perfect. gaffer. Yeah. Like he, in his masterclass, cause I took it was explaining, but it beautifully put, he's like, I get this question a lot. Do you need to go to film school to become a filmmaker? And I'll say this and I'll say this one last time to be a filmmaker you don't need to go to film school. Film school will provide you the opportunity to make a film, but it right. won't make you become a filmmaker. Exactly. And I and, and back to your point about networking, that's probably one thing I regret, I'll have to admit, is yeah. who knows where I would be, like in terms of that, that because I've seen some friends that, are, that went to film school and they're like, oh, I know this guy, this guy can help you with sound, this guy, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know anyone. <laughs> and then and it helps, right? Because everyone's, everyone's in the film business, right? But when he said it just gives you an opportunity, time and again, 95% of kids that go to film school, right? That graduate. Where are they now? They're not doing anything yeah. in film. And it's because it just shows you that they made their film, their thesis or whatever they had to do for those four years. And that was it. Exactly. You know, it doesn't guarantee. It's not like everyone that goes to film school, like is connecting with Scorsese. It's such a specific niche kind of art form. And the market will decide. The market will, will decide if you, if they want to hear your vision, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they love your storytelling. Yeah. And it's like, if, if you, ha you either have it or you don't within you. Like, it's yeah. not like someone looks like, oh, I'm naturally born to do it. But like, you either have the, like the dedication to it or you don't like, and even mentioning someone who did go to film school, like David Lynch, who was like my savior. And I mentioned Blue nice. Velvet. Like, yes. Yeah, he went to AFI, but I, and same with Scorsese, they would have made it regardless. They would have yeah. ended up where they are now, regardless. It does not yeah. matter that they went to NYU, to AFI, you know, Coppola to U, UCLA, USC, whatever. Fuck that. It doesn't matter. You yeah. know what I mean? They would have made it regardless. And, and, and that's what I'm saying, like with Scorsese, like that he, he, he's an exception in a way where, yeah, you could look at him like, oh, he went to film school. But if you hear in his masterclass, he uh, kind of took the importance of it, like the essence of it and yeah. made it his own. Like, for example, like he, he was, this is what you know, like he was going to become a legend, right? Uh, he was explaining like in his first class or his first year, uh, they went from um, directing films, like the professor would say, okay, you got to direct, like, I'm going to give you a script and you're going to have to direct it. He's like, okay, and everyone was happy, whatever. And then I think the second semester, he's like, okay, now you have to write your own script and I want you to direct it. And then like literally like 90%, 99% of the class, he said, he was probably like the only one yeah. where like, they were all freaking out. Like, why do we have to write it? I, I don't want to be that. I want to be a director. That's why I signed up for this. And the professor was like, you don't understand. If you know how to write a story, if you know how a story is constructed, you'll be able to be a, a great director. Right? right. Right. And Scorsese didn't fight with the professor. He knew that. And he yeah. took that lesson to heart. And he said, I'm going to sit down and write it. Now, he doesn't write his own material. But I know for a fact he's involved with the writer. He's very, he's buddy-buddy with them. Like Terrence Winter, for example, like Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Nikki Pileggi, right? Um, with Goodfellas. And you don't have to necessarily write it, but a true director, someone that respects the story, which I always tell my colleagues and my friends, uh, will, will know 
how important it is that that screenwriter can't be cast aside, right. whether you are the screenwriter or you're working with it. Like they need to be present in the room. David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin, Social Network, they were like co-producers practically, the way they yeah. would talk. Should we get this guy? Yeah, I'm thinking of Zuckerberg. Yo, what about Timberlake? I think, why? Because he wrote those words. Last yeah. thing you want is to get someone that can't speak the words properly and Sorkin doesn't like it, you know? Absolutely. So. Yeah, and that's, I mean, like you said, even if, if Scorsese or whoever isn't currently writing the pen the scripts or whatever, it's, it's like doing anything else, like how we started out. Like, not only were we the director, we're the DP, we're the gaffer, we're the grip, we're the catering, we're this, we're that, we're literally everything. I, I don't think you can effectively direct or other like uh, direct other people in your crew unless you have a somewhat of an understanding of what they're doing it's yeah. like going into a job as like the ceo at like i i don't even know what like some you know amazon it, let's say amazon or whatever yeah. but it's i don't know even what amazon is i've never bought anything online i don't do it's like how are you even going to be able to understand like that may not be your job to package the boxes it may not be your job to figure out the logistics of getting it to you. It may not even be your job to get the clients, but if you don't have at least a little bit of experience in all these things, it's gonna be very difficult for you to, to effectively direct it. You know yeah, I mean? to, 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 to make the company like run at its optimal performance, right? Yeah. Because it all stems from you really, like you're the, like the leader, you're, you're overlooking everything. And I, I think that's so important. And I just wanted to go back, you know, before we yeah. go, I just wanted to, cause you mentioned something interesting and it's something that I've been kind of like going back and forth with. Um, you were talking about like, you know, that arrogance, like with the videographer and, yeah. you know, you, you believe like the, the people that just know, like think that they can do no wrong and like, they're going to make it and whatever. I want to ask you, like, do you, do you feel there should be that sort of modesty where it's like, you have to be prepared for anything? Um, I think you just got to be realistic at the end of the day. Um, yeah. because I think it's an important thing to have confidence and maybe not to be arrogant, but like. I think of many confident people, and this might be like an obscure reference, but like the band Oasis, they were always known for being the most arrogant band. Like, oh, like yeah. we are the Beatles. We are the greatest band of all time. But you know what? They had the work to back all of that up. They had the dedication. Like they weren't putting out garbage like these videographers and, and yeah. then saying, hey, look at me. I'm. They were putting out some of the best records of all time. Yeah. Like, so it's like they have it to back up. And they're, to me, that shows how realistic they are. They're not like someone who makes a masterpiece and they're like, oh, I don't know. I didn't think it was that. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know it's a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't trust you. But if I, I, I mean, I assure you, if I ever at one point made something where I objectively thought it was a masterpiece, you best believe I'm going to tell everyone this is a masterpiece and you need to good. go see it because yeah. this is a great film. Yeah. And if I don't think it's good, I, I don't hype it up because I, I can't back it up. And yeah, I think, uh, sorry, go ahead, guy, yeah. No, 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 no. That was just, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like you said, you said it, uh, you said what I was thinking. And it, again, it reminds me, I know we brought up Tarantino a lot, but it's the same concept. Like he, uh, well, no film of his is, is bad in his mind, but what I'm saying is like, he is that, like he gives that, that conviction, that confidence because he knows what's good. Right. And he believes in a story. And I think that's what you were trying to say is that, you know, with Oasis, like being realistic, like, don't go around saying like, I'm the best work towards the results. Right. Yeah. And then get to there. Like, for example, like the big thing with me is like, you know how people say making it like becoming famous and whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, okay. Like have that conviction, have that belief in your heart. Maybe you have a shot. You know what I mean? Like we all, we all have that to some degree. I don't know what your definition of making it is either. Right. 
but at the end of the day to go around, right. Saying, you know, I'm going to make it, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Do, is that what you mean by like, that's where the arrogance kind of comes into play? Cause it's like, I think well, so because it's a lot yeah. of just like talking about it instead of doing it. It's like, you yeah. say you're the best, but like, and I try to be objective with everything. Obviously there's of course, something of I see and it's like, that's just not my thing, but I can appreciate it. Yeah. But it's like those people for the most part, not all of them, but it's like, I can objectively say like, no, you are not the best. This is not a great thing that you made, right. you know, because of reasons X, Y, Z and whatever, you know, but it's, yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of what I mean. I mean, you got to have, you got to have the stuff to back it up or else you just look like a clown, you know? Yeah. Cause even like parents, like, uh, you know, just when, when you would hear like at those functions or I don't know if it's like an, cause I'm Italian, I, you would hear like, you know, my kid's going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg, like the audacity, like just saying that. And, and I love your point. Cause it's like, okay, let's say like you do have that belief, like you, you, you like the child is naturally gifted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would keep that like kind of to myself. Like I would just, I would always have that wish in my heart. Right. But I wouldn't actively go around unless like you notice a momentum. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and it's, yeah. it's one thing to like network yourself. So like people know what you're doing. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Hey, I am a filmmaker. So that way they're like, oh, my neighbor actually is like an assistant director to, you know, freaking David Fincher or whatever. So like maybe yeah. that'd be a good, but it's another thing to just go around and be like, oh, I'm like the best dude. And like, you know, I don't have like many videos out, but like, I'm definitely the shit. And, uh, you know, you'll see it soon. It's like, Dude, just how about you make something dope and then yeah. everyone and then let us compliment you. But even if, but that's my thing too, right? Is even if it is like, cause we'll have the little Beatles film, filmmakers that create really good content. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, man, right. It's like, you know, I still think you shouldn't go around saying, I know I'm going to make it. Cause it's like, you never, you never know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like right, 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 right. Keep, keep, keep putting in the work and let the action speak. Don't kind of like say, I know I'm going to make it unless you're there. Like Drake and, you know, th- those people can, can, I, you know what I mean? Like they could, they could be the ones like I've made it. I know I'm going to make it, whatever. Exactly. Do you know what I'm talking about? But it's like, there's a, I, I, I don't know. I'm just a big thing about like delusion. Like I don't, you don't want to come across like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's uh, yeah. And, and like you mentioned, it's like everyone's, I guess, idea of making it is different. Like, and, and that to make it is a weird thing too, because I just like the process of always making something and like, nice. not necessarily the goal. And I, I feel like a lot of people are kind of like that. I feel like you're yeah. probably pretty similar too. I think that like, even if you made it, uh, what the guy to your left might be like, Oh, he made it. He just made his first movie ever. But you're like, no, like I want to continually be able to make films and make a living and provide for myself and See? my family and my friends yeah. by doing what I love and exactly ever let your your foot off the pedal if that's what you're trying to do you you yeah. can't you know you got to keep applying pressure and in, in order to do that so i feel like you can never truly make it until you i mean again unless you get to a scorsese point where it's like yeah i could retire right now generations are set for life i've made the almost one of the greatest singular filmographies of any filmmaker yeah. like, you know who cares yeah but, if you're not at that point, then it's like, you haven't made it. Dog. I think, I think, yeah, I think what I'm saying is like, exactly your point is, is like making it, uh, even though you get to that destination, you wouldn't, uh, retire. In fact, you would even go harder. Uh, like for myself, like I said, like when I keep saying Tarantino level, it's more like, I'm not like, if I make my Pulp Fiction, let's say, right. right, right. I'm not going to be like, okay, Tristan, I'm done. Like, thanks for watching it, whatever. Like, you know, good, good night, everybody. Right. I'm the kind of guy where it's like, let's make the next one. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's capitalize on that. Let's expand the brand or let's use this as a, like, just coming up with different ideas or collaborating with other filmmakers. Um, you, you can never, like you said, you, you can, if you really love it, you can never have an end goal, right? Uh, you can always have like a vision of where you want to end up, 
Yeah. But uh, I don't think you can necessarily have an end goal. And I, I like what you said about the process. A big thing that I've kind of had a discussion with recently is because I started my own business, there's that notion of being an entrepreneur, right? And, you know, I don't really classify as funny as it is. Like, I, I don't see myself as an entrepreneur, even though I've been told I have those tendencies and I, and I like to think big and take risks and things like that. I always see myself as a filmmaker at heart, like first, a storyteller, right, right. A, a dreamer, essentially. And, you know, I get... I get those, those kinds of like accusations, like, don't you want to make uh, X amount of money by this time? Or, right. and, and for me, it's more like, you know, I I'm being really realistic, like with what I have my expertise. Cause I just started this business like a year ago. And mm-hmm. I know like people are making 60 grand a month, let's say doing this, yeah. but you know what I, but, but at the same time, it's like, I'd be happy if I made 60 grand by next year. You know what I mean? Because that that's a realistic, like you said, based on your experience, your expertise and your clientele and your contacts, you know, Hey, if I make 60 grand a month, that's even better. But that's what I mean by like, you, you shouldn't overestimate yourself and, and, and say, okay, yeah, 60 grand because I willed it into power. It's like, no, you have to be practical and say, well, how can I get that? I'm not saying, cause, cause then you start getting into the area of limiting beliefs yeah. and it's like, well, limiting beliefs. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I don't, it's not like I don't believe in myself. I just, I'm aware that it's a, it's a hard process and it's going to take some time and it's a creative process. It's the arts. This isn't becoming a CA, like a chartered accountant where you take three exams and you know what I mean? And like, this is the arts. One yeah. thing that I like you uh, for, for one thing that I like, you could say that was shit. Yeah. It's art. Like people, you can't predict that. You can't like say, Oh, if I do this amount of projects, I'm going to make 50 grand a month. No. And second, if you are doing that, I feel like it's getting rushed because you shouldn't be gunning for that amount yeah. of money, you know? And, and that's what I'm, I'm just trying to say is I kind of argue where it's like people forget that I kind of have to remind them is as much as I want to be financially stable, like you said, you help your yeah. friends. And I'm glad, I, I, like you said, the friends part, because I watched Entourage, my favorite show and <laughs> just that idea, right? Like, you know, just help your boys out, whatever. Your boys um, out. The thing is, is that like, it always comes down to, I'm a dreamer first. Like I rather have the dream happen and then everything else follow. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. go ahead, sorry. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, I feel like those two things really, fall in line because the way that I've always thought about it is that not there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there not every entrepreneur is an artist but every artist is an entrepreneur because you are not stepping into a career that a degree got you you are not stepping into anything that you take a test to get in you are doing it solely based off your own strength and your own dedication your own passion your own ideas And that's very much like starting your own business. And I think, you know, again, the vision, the dream, the passion, that needs to be the number one thing. But at the end of the day, if you want to make it happen, you got to have those entrepreneurial tendencies. And I like, and again, that's one of the main things that drew me to you. Cause I was like, he's got that business. I see him kind of reposting like that Gary V kind of stuff. And like, I got a couple of Gary V and like Grant Cardone books here. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> I love it. Crush it. You got crush it. <laughs> yeah, I got crushed. Let's yeah. see. I got crushing it. And, crushing uh, it. Yeah. 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 10X. Got, I got a bunch of shit. Yeah. Here. Nice. Nice. Man. nice um, man. But it's, I, I find like, like business books help a lot, even in getting your vision created because we are just trying to make it out of nothing. With, you know, we don't have a boss helping us out or hiring us to do these things, you know? we're so we're so vulnerable man like that's something that i realized as artists like think about it like how many times have you been told or maybe come across people where it's like uh i can help you if you do this or uh you're not 
uh, getting the, this is not happening because you're not manifesting it or thinking it or do you know what I mean? Like they just tap into those insecurities and you're like, at the end of the day, like, you know, as long as you're working hard, as long as you have good intentions, something like your, your, your time will come or your path will, will kind of, you can't, you can't like freak out about those things. I, yeah. you can't, you can't kind of, I, I hate when people try to integrate business with the arts. I, it's just something that bothers me. I don't know if I'm a true, like, you know, whimsical, artsy fartsy guy, but I, I just, I, I, I never see Tarantino and Scorsese and think, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're yelling about 10 X and are you crushing it? Are you crushing? Like, I just see them yeah. like, like exploring the human condition and like yeah. just absorbing pop culture. And I don't know. It's just, it's something that just yeah, makes me feel more comfortable. 100%. And I agree. And it's the only thing that I do keep in mind in terms of the business stuff is that I have to think it's like, at the end of the day, it's unfortunate until we get to a certain point. It's like, yeah. I have to be able to make this profitable or else no one, no one will ever invest in me. Exactly. Like, it's great. I can make something that like would be a cult hit and like it, it'll like gain traction in 30 years. No investor wants that. They might be dead in 30 years, dude. You know? Yeah. But- as that poor investor you're like emailing every day yeah it's like hey dude i you know i don't think people now will really like it but maybe young generations in 40 years will like this you know some kid at an urban outfitters might you know discover this movie yeah know? right yeah it's know. on the blacklist exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. but so i i totally agree with you because there's too much of that melding and it, it 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 lessens the value of the art but I guess. Yeah. It's just, it's just a thought that came. Yeah. It's just a thought that kind of came to mind because again, I had this conversation with someone today and you know, I, I, yeah, I just, I I kind of did some deep thinking and and something in my gut, like thought it was wrong. Cause I, I I hate being told, you know, it's maybe it's not happening or the direction because of what you're thinking or how you're thinking. Like we're also human. Like we have our days, like you said, every other day, it's like, what am I doing? What is this? And I don't like to think like everyone's always positive all the time because that's not being human. Like people, including the people we love, uh, mm. have their days. And the reason why their films are the way they are is because they've experienced those days and they know how to put them into film. Yeah. And also as an effective artist, right? We don't want to be people that experienced always happiness because then we'll never know what a flaw is. We'll never know what an arc is. We'll never know how a character can transform. And those uh, whether they like it or not, uh, or, that's what the audience most relates to and will walk away with, yeah, right? And not to sound like hella emo, but like you can't really appreciate happiness unless you experience sadness. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just... And it's okay to... And it's okay to have those, like, I'm a big believer, like, I'm uh, a believer, I'm a big fan of uh, biographical films. Like, I love those films. There's something crazy. It's strange because you watch them and you know the ending, but... Mm-hmm just leading up to it and just knowing it's so inspiring like eight mile for example because eminem is one of you know another hero of mine from Mm -hmm. music and you watch it and you're saying to yourself like you just know he's gonna make it because you see his success now but just seeing how he was depressed and he he was upset and he even had his own limiting beliefs he's not gonna make it and he did it because even though he had those moments that's what i mean by it's okay to have those moments Mm -hmm. it's the persistence the consistency the dedication one not every day was going to be the greatest but he still showed up. And I think that's, what's the most important. Like you can still have your doubts because we don't know in life, but at the same time, I think it's so important to show up and know that you did the best you could. 100%. That's the whole point. Really? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, I really, yeah, I, I, uh, I really appreciate uh, this conversation, Tristan. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you sharing, you sharing my, my thoughts, uh, something, something I love doing on the podcast, you know, just kind of having an open platform 
have yeah. discussion about film and but also like what's really going on in our minds because I, I feel like a lot of people just like obviously we talk about it all the time it's mental health month whatever but at the same time it's like film, people don't really know what artists go through you know we're, we're just as human and we, we have our doubts and just because you see posts on instagram right you think you're killing it yeah. deep down inside you could be like very like insecure about something yeah. right we're all very sensitive just give us a hug man. yeah exactly just give us <laughs> just give us a hug man yeah uh anyway man yeah i really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on the podcast it was a pleasure uh mm-hmm. i had planned to do more of these man uh documenting our journey love to have you back talking about that short film uh yeah. you know just the process and learning more about your journey and i would even love to collaborate with you one day man i don't know when that be but hopefully when things settle if you ever need director cinematographer vice versa like you know uh, uh we'll, we'll 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 connect and uh we'll go from there absolutely dude thank you for having me and uh yeah dude a lot of fun we'll have to hop back on once both our films are out and released we'll have to uh to chat again i had a good time yeah for sure for sure thank you again like i said and uh thank you again for everybody listening and we'll talk soon